0: back to the everybody trades podcast and what what do you know we've got a stock market rally for yet another day a strong one at that sure seems like sentiment has turned a little bit lately doesn't it and no small part because it looks like once again encouraging signs that perhaps and I emphasize perhaps but clearly the market is telling us that perhaps good things are happening here in terms of trade talks between the chinese government And the U.S. government, a.k.a. Xi Jinping and Donald Trump. Yes, a thawing of relations here would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Essentially, what we're talking about here, we talk about these trade wars, is we're talking about sanctions, aren't we? Now, most people think of sanctions in terms of wartime. For instance, we've had, in terms of the United States government, has had many sanctions on many, many countries for many decades. Notably in Iraq for over the years. Now a lot of intelligent people, a lot of well-educated, well-informed, more importantly people will tell you that those sanctions in no small part directly and indirectly led to the death of hundreds of thousands if not a million Iraqis in the last 15 to 20 years or so. And that's shameful in my mind if that's true and I frankly have no doubt that it is essentially when the us government it's war it's warfare state it's war arms it's military uses its power in order to blockade critical supplies, food, materials, etc from places like iraq, iran, etc yes, in fact there are real people in the world who suffer as a consequence of that. Well, then you have another thing now we have the current government shutdown. Now, well, here's what we hear a lot in the news. We hear blame going around. If you hate Donald Trump, you probably you probably blame Donald Trump for the shutdown. But if you're the type of person, maybe you like Trump or are somewhat sympathetic to his causes, then you probably blame Congress, the Democrat, the Democratic Congress people specifically. And certainly these same people probably did not blame Barack Obama in the 2013 government shutdown or the various other government shutdowns that we've had in the last few years. The bottom line is this government shutdown is essentially an example of domestic sanctions being placed on Americans as opposed to foreign sanctions being placed on Chinese trade, Iranian trade, Iraqi trade, whatever it might be. Regardless of whether it's domestic or foreign or which nations that we impose sanctions on, the reality is, is ultimately these governments do not bear the costs of these sanctions. No, in fact, we, the people of the United States of America and the people of China, the people of Iraq, those are the ones who suffer. That's what foreign sanctions and domestic sanctions very obviously have in common. Basically, the United States government, regardless of who is the president, has decided that we will use sanctions and essentially cut off, for instance, food supply from regular people in foreign countries in order for those people to then put pressure on the government in order to do what they want the United States government to do. It's essentially a form of blackmail. But again, who's bearing that cost? It's the people that you're starving out. Certainly the powerful people that you're actually negotiating with, the Xi Jinping's of the world, those people are going to sit comfortably in their palaces and eat just fine and dandy. And I understand that there are a lot of people who are completely tired of just the complete largesse and overreach of our federal government and don't really want to hear the sob stories. And certainly that was my reaction this morning when I heard Bill Simmons on his podcast his football show talking about at the very end, just oh boo hoo about the government shutdown. And isn't it terrible that there are toilets basically backing up now because there aren't being serviced, porta johns, et cetera, at national parks because of the government shutdown? Well, yes, it is bad. It's not nearly as bad as the Iraqi kids being starved out, which I didn't hear anybody complaining about on that side. But regardless, the point, Bill Simmons does have a point. Clearly, this isn't a good thing that toilets are backing up and that people aren't, that it's much more difficult to, or less enjoyable if you're taking a vacation to, say, one of our great national parks like Yellowstone. Yes, that's terrible if you and your family aren't able to use the services, for instance, but who's created that problem? Do we need somebody? in Washington, D.C., deciding whether or not toilets are serviced thousands of miles away in Yellowstone National Park. What sense does that possibly make? Perhaps we should leave the maintenance of toilets and the services of Yellowstone National Park up to the people who actually live somewhat near that area. How about that? See, there's this idea that we need the government, that we need the butt of a gun of government force in order to have national parks, but that doesn't actually jive with any sort of economic reality. What am I talking about? Well, think about it. What if, what if Jeff Bezos suddenly bought, the, and I pick Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, because he's apparently founder of Amazon. According to the papers, he's the richest guy in the world right now. Listen, say what you will about Jeff Bezos one way or the other, I'm pretty sure that the guy likes money. I'm pretty sure that the guy likes making a profit. So let's say in some hypothetical scenario that Jeff Bezos managed to purchase Yellowstone National Park for whatever price, $500 million, a billion dollars, whatever it would theoretically cost to buy that piece of property from the government. So do do we think then that Jeff Bezos would then just buy all of the bulldozers in the world and dynamite in the world and just flatten Yellowstone National Park in order to make it into a gigantic mall or something? Well, first of all, no, he wouldn't do that. That doesn't make any sense. First of all, the amount of energy and resources that it would take to actually destroy Yellowstone National Park is pretty hard to comprehend and it would be just that it would be pure destruction there's no reason to take something that is immaculate and beautiful and something that yes indeed people will there's a demand for people every single year thousands of thousands and thousands of people travel to Yellowstone National Park in order to see its majestic beauty well great that means that that particular piece of land is valuable and by and Jeff Bezos destroying it would then destroy all of its all of its value that much is very obvious so in fact and again Jeff Bezos when the government shuts down you know what doesn't shut down amazon we're currently under an we're currently under a government shutdown right now go ahead and queue up your amazon prime account and order something it'll go through just like magic fedex still running ups still running so again, what is it that's so special? I put it on you. What is so special about the National Park Service that without it, Yellowstone would not exist? That's actually complete fantasy. And in fact, what we do is, by collecting taxes, again, at the butt of a gun, the barrel of a gun, whatever you want to call it, what you're doing is, in the same way that forcing people who don't attend football or basketball games to fund a stadium with their tax dollars, even though they never go through the doors, you're essentially subsidizing the cost of entering that stadium for the people who want to go see a football game. Well, it's the same thing at any national park. Just because you've never been to Yellowstone, that doesn't mean you don't have to, as a taxpayer, subsidize their trip to Yellowstone. The people who actually go there perhaps they should be paying a little bit more. But no, we're all subsidizing their trip. Well, what sense does that make? And again, in a free market of parks, there might be more parks, and there'd be competition of actual pricing in parks. In fact, Yellowstone, who knows, it could be subdivided into smaller places. Not one man, Jeff Bezos, would necessarily have to be in charge of this entire tract of land, of course, but a bunch of individuals could own certain parts of Yellowstone who knows how it would all be managed but the reality is is this idea that without again the mob-like figure that is the federal government in order to manage our park system it would all just be chaos and insanity is actually the opposite of reality because what we're saying is is The way we manage our government, we don't really have budgets anymore. We have continuing resolutions. So every single year, and wouldn't you know it, it's around Christmas time, we have to have this stupid argument, this stupid thing every single year. And, oh, if we don't all come to an agreement, well, by golly, we can't even even open national parks anymore. That's just an absurd arrangement, especially when these people are thousands of miles away from where the actual park is. When do you think the last time Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell stepped their butts through Yellowstone Park was? They don't know anything more about Yellowstone Park than I know about how to manage a pizza joint in Lower Manhattan. This is all absurd. Unfortunately, the people, again, the people who take the brunt of all of these sanctions, these domestic sanctions, as I'm calling them, is actual business owners, people who have their business based around Yellowstone tourism. If you're a restaurant owner, if you sell knickknacks, whatever it might be, if you're a hotel owner, what again, whatever it might be, clearly this is hurting you. And the reality is the people in D.C. don't have any skin in the game here. They don't have any actual reason to care about your plight because this is all just a game to them. Just like the the lives of kids in Iraq isn't the number one thing to them. It's all about getting power, using that power, and getting what they want to get done in in Washington. Your lives, your health, your happiness be damned, quite frankly. And unfortunately, that's somewhat of human nature. We're We're all into ourselves and our own problems much more than we are of other people. But actually, that's a good thing when the people who again this is this comes back to what we call moral hazard, all right? What we want is the people who are making actions, who are acting, the people in government, for instance, it would be nice if they actually bared the costs of their actions, but they don't. Unlike people who actually own something, unlike people, individuals who actually own property, who own businesses, who own their houses, who own real property or even if you're just paying rent like I am for my office, there's still ownership there. Guess what? I painted this office. I've made all kinds of things. There's a certain sense of ownership, if not literal ownership. There's a sense of, hey, I've homesteaded this office in a weird way. I've sort of made it my own. And there's a obvious incentive for me to not just let it decay and go away because this is my office. This is a place where I'm going to try to bring guests and bring clients and what have you. So again, if, if my office, quote unquote, if I didn't pay for it every month, see again, there's the ownership. It's my rent that I'm paying every month. There's a reason, there's a cost if I just mess this thing up. If I treat my office like crap, if I smoke cigarettes in it and make it stinky and get myself kicked out of here or whatever. There's an obvious cost. There's an ownership element there, even if I don't literally own something. You see? So ultimately, what we need is far fewer uninterested third parties that have no skin in the game making decisions for us. It's one thing if you have an interested third party who's making a loan or facilitating a transaction it's not so much the third party the fourth party however many parties it is isn't isn't the point the point is incentive and ownership the reality is any privately owned home house business park anything that's well maintained would obviously have their bathrooms taken care of on a regular basis. They would have them serviced often. And if they don't, they would find rather quickly their customer base, their tourists would dwindle. They would start disappearing. This much is obvious. Nobody wants to go to a park or a zoo or a restaurant or anywhere else where there's literal feces backed up or whatever horrible circumstance is happening at these parks right now. Once again, we can't rely on the government to do these types of things for us because even if they do, even when the government does do things well, apparently they have no problem holding us hostage in order to play their silly little games with budget budgets and the amount of things that they allocate and all of this nonsense. Even to the point where, again, in the 2013 shutdown, there were people in the Obama administration that were actively putting up barriers around, around parks at entrances of parks and around memorials, war memorials and that type of thing. Again, actively doing it. So in other words, they were actually using resources in order to make visitors and tourists feel the pain. See, they wanted you to see and feel the pain because again, this is all just part of the negotiation it's part of a game it's part of a negotiation that frankly they shouldn't even be a part of and with that hey it's been another great episode of the everybody trades podcast hope you'll enjoy me you will join me i should say again soon thanks a lot everybody until next time